And I want you guys to expect that as we pray, okay? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now, we're asking for your help in our hearts. We're not strong enough even to choose you. But we're just saying, Lord, would you help us? Would you open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to hear your voice? And would you use your voice in our lives to cut out all the stuff that is distracting us right now? And that you'd change our lives because we met with you and we met with your community. Help us, oh God. And we're expecting your work, your powerful work of your Holy Spirit to do here tonight what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need a Bible, Mr. Matt has Bibles for you right here. And what we're going to do tonight, if you guys uh, remember, we're going through the book of Acts. But how we're doing this is I, a couple weeks ago in Bible Q&A, on Tuesdays, we've got something called Bible Q&A that happens upstairs at 2.30. So if you've never been to Bible Q&A, if you've got questions about the Bible, you're invited to come to the Bible question and answer time and ask your questions there. But a couple weeks ago, somebody in the Bible Q&A time said, hey, how do, I, how do we do this evangelism thing? And so we gave a brief answer there, but I really want to take what we're studying in Acts 3 tonight and use that as kind of a guideline for us in how we do evangelism. Because the best way to do evangelism is to do evangelism Jesus' way. Jesus has the answer for a lot of things. And if we follow his way, follow his example, things work out a lot better than if we do it our way. So with that in mind, I want to ask you this question. Why are you a follower? Well, first let me ask you, are you a follower of Jesus? If you're, some of you guys didn't say yes. Some of you are still thinking about that, and that's okay. So I'd rather you not say yes than to pretend than to say yes pretending that you're a follower of him when you're really not. Okay, so it's okay. It's okay to not be a follower of Jesus and be a part of this community, but it's not okay to pretend that you're a follower of Jesus when you're really not, okay? That makes sense? So I appreciate those of you that didn't say yes. Let me ask you one more time. Are you a follower of Jesus? Okay. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to, to get, your, get your notebook out. We're taking notes here, guys. You won't remember everything I say unless you take notes. If you want to do it on your phone, I guess that's okay. But would you write down in two sentences or less why you have decided to follow Jesus with your life? Okay? You got 35 seconds to do this. Why are you a follower of Jesus, or why have you decided that he really is what he says he is, the way, the truth, and the life? And this is, so as soon as you guys get that written down, then you look at me. Some of you guys don't want to look at me. Okay. This is what we're going to do. I want you guys to take what you just wrote down, in two sentences or less, and I want you to come and take this microphone, and I want you to read what you just wrote. Okay? So come on. Come on, come on. We're going to do this in about five minutes, so we got room for time for about, about 15 or 20 of you. I follow Christ because I've come to realize that my life is empty without him. Nothing will satisfy, no personal achievement. Um, so my identity is in Christ, and I know that he really loves me more than anyone else could. Um. I believe this is the best walk of life. That's awesome. I believe Jesus because I've seen him transform my life and other 
people's life through his name. Despite everything the world told me, Jesus proved them wrong and actually showed up in my life when I previously thought it wasn't possible. I decided to follow Jesus because I couldn't live by my own power. He saved me from myself and all my attempts to destroy my life, and ultimately he showed me what love really meant. Um, I follow Jesus because he is better and uh, because only he has the power to do what I've seen um, him do. I follow Jesus because he kept me standing when no one else could. Okay, I am a follower of Christ because he provided for me when I had no provision. He rescued me from myself and he is the only one that keeps his promises. I followed Jesus because he created me and he created every one of you too so I get to share his love for you guys and he called me into, he called me into his family and it's so amazing that I can be his son and his his love for everyone in Jesus name I follow Jesus because uh, I want my eyes and heart to be open to him and live in his Holy Spirit. I follow Jesus because I love him and he loves me, but because he has a purpose for me and purpose for me in my life and I'm nothing without him. I follow Jesus because he is the almighty king of the universe and I would be a fool if I would try to fight him. <laughs> I'm a follower of Jesus because he uh, transformed me from a self-destructive, evil, violent human being into a gentle, loving one. Guys, he deserves it. He's good, and his love changes and compels me. So I follow Jesus because in him I feel life, and I'm filled with uh, purpose. Um, I follow Jesus because despite feeling neglected and broken growing up, he made me whole. I follow Jesus because he created me and he's called me to follow him. Sorry, babe. <laughs> I follow Jesus because he loved me and chose me and just he reveals his love to me every day. That also resonates in my spirit and my emotions and in the physical world everywhere so yeah how can I not follow the one who loves me so much I follow him not because not only because he loves me but I also want to bring people along behind me to let them know what real love actually is okay guys this is the reason I want you to think about why I'm asking you this I'm asking you this why you believe in Jesus, why you're following him. Because if your decision to follow Jesus is because you think that the people at the Cornerstone are really cool, or they got better coffee than Starbucks, or because you really like Christian music, then it's just a matter of time before you get cooler coffee, or cooler friends, or better music, or you read some book, or listen to some podcast that tells you that Jesus isn't the way, the truth, and the life, and you say, oh, I guess I really don't want to follow him. And the reason I'm thinking about this right now is because we've hit one of our guys here, 
I guess I won't say his name, but one of the guys who's been he came in here, met with me in my office about two years ago, and he hung out here for a while, and then about a month ago, he came in and he said, Steve, I want you to know that I'm not going to, I'm not a Christian anymore. And when he said that to me, I did not think for, this is what I did not think. I did not think, oh, this guy met Jesus, experienced his power, surrendered himself to him, and then all of a sudden got really, really selfish and decided that he was going to leave all the behind and go his own way. That's not what I thought. Instead, what I thought, which is the reality, is I thought this guy has been lying to himself and he's been lying to everybody else that he's a follower of Jesus saying that he's a Christian when he really wasn't. And the proof that he wasn't is that whenever we talked about him obeying Jesus in baptism, he said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that. And there was a reason why he wouldn't do that. He said he was a Christian, but he would not make, he proved by his actions, this one action in particular, that Jesus was not Lord of his life. And so why did he do this? Or why didn't he make Jesus Lord of his life? Because his decision two years ago when he first came in here to be what he called a Christian was based on words that I spoke to him and approval that I gave to him and words that other people spoke and approval that other people gave rather than basing his faith on an authentic experience with a risen Christ. And what I thought was really interesting right now as we were listening to everybody here as they talked about why they're followers of Jesus, it was so much about experience and not about stuff that the world would say is empirical proof. And in some ways in the past that might have bothered me, but here's the deal. Nobody comes to faith in Jesus apart from an experience with him of his power or his love or his presence. And any time that we try to convince people uh, to become Christians through our intellectual arguments, it is not real unless they experience him. It's kind of like if I, if I get Max, Max, I, want, I got this girl in Japan for you. Max, she is for you. She is cute. She, her name is Reiko. You like that name? It's all right. It's all right. She is Japanese. She likes guys that look like you. She's even seen your, she's even seen your picture. I mean, guys, is Max in love? Okay. Here's the deal. Max, Max is interested. Max, I don't really show her your picture. Um, here's the deal. Max is kind of interested. But he is not ready for the wedding. And neither is she. Because they have not experienced each other at all. Do you guys know what I'm saying? And, and there's times where we're trying to get people in the kingdom through our explanation of a God that they have never had an experience with. But the reason that here in Acts, as we're, stu we're studying the book of Acts, the reason that the church of Jesus exploded from 120 people to 3,120 people and then exploded beyond that to millions and millions and millions of people within a few years was because, not because they heard about some girl in Japan like Reiko, 
but because they experienced God's power and his love and his presence in their own lives, and they couldn't help but to realize that, that was really from God. And that was Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan wasn't for us to try to convince people like Max that there's a cute girl in Japan that he ought to marry. What Jesus' plan was is for people to experience God's power. And I want you guys to see this. So we're going to get to Acts 3 here in a second, but at first I want you guys to look at, at Luke 10, 8, where Jesus tells his people, first of all, back then, and passes this on to us, how we are to do evangelism, power evangelism. This is what he says. Luke 10, 8, when you enter... A town, he's telling, he's got 12 guys, right? He's training these 12 guys to take over the world. Then, he, then from 12 guys, he gets, he, he's got 12 disciples. Then he gets 70 sub-disciples. And right here, he's speaking to those 70 guys. And he's like, I'm sending you guys out to all these towns and coffee shops and classrooms and businesses and rooms in your dorm. And th this is what you do when you get there. When you enter a town and are welcomed... Okay, you might not be welcome, but if you're welcomed, there's a big if. If you're welcome, then eat their food. What a cool bit of instruction about how to do evangelism. Eat those people's food. Now, why is that? Because Jesus plans that those people are going to come into the kingdom through a relationship with you that happens over a cheeseburger animal style. I'm serious. Relationships are built around food. This is how evangelism happens. But that's not where you stop because look what Jesus has in mind. Luke 10, 9. This is what you're to do. You people at the cornerstone, as an extension of Jesus' community, you guys, this is how you do evangelism. Heal the sick, guys. Heal the sick. And when you heal the sick and they're like, wow, what's that all about? Then you tell them, the we, just, we just healed Zoe because the kingdom of God is near. Do you guys hear this? This is Jesus-style evangelism. You go heal the sick, and when they say, what's that all about? You say that the kingdom of God is in here because where the kingdom of God is, things happen like in heaven. Yeah. And the dead are raised, the sick are healed, the blind see, and people's hearts are mended. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, but if you, in verse 10, but if you enter the town and you're not welcomed, force yourself on those people. That's not what he says. <laughs> Argue with them. No, that's not what he says. He's like, Shh, okay, you go to the streets. You don't, try, you don't insist on staying there. Like, I have got a, as much a right to be here as you do. No, you walk into the street. You just shake the dust off, and you move on. But you can be sure of this. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is available to those people. What Jesus is saying is the power of the kingdom of God is available to those people if they just wanted it. kingdom of God is available to anyone who wants it. But if they don't want it, then don't argue with them. What I want you guys to see about Jesus' strategy for evangelism for the people at the cornerstone is that we do not convert people with our wisdom and our arguments. True conversion. And all of you people who got up here and said why you believe in Jesus, if you have if you have been converted, if you have been changed, it happened because of an authentic experience with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last year, you guys met a guy here who was, was, a, was a Muslim when he came here on a Thursday night from Iran. 
I won't say his name because we don't want to put his life in danger because we're on um, live uh, live feed. But Mr. A, a lot of you guys know who he was, curly-haired guy, don't say his name. Um, he came in here the first night. He was like, I love what's happening here. He came up after I got finished teaching, and he said, he shook my hand, and I, said, and I could just tell that the Holy Spirit was working in his life. I said, are you a believer? He said, I'm, yes, I'm a Muslim. And God was working in his life. And he, was, he really came to Jesus powerfully and was baptized and is serious about following Jesus now. So a lot of you guys know who I'm talking about. About nine months ago or so, he brought a friend, another Muslim friend named, I won't tell you his name either because I don't want to get him in trouble, but his name is Terry. We'll just call him Terry, okay? Terry came here, and the first time, he came for Friday lunch. We stood out there on the porch, and he's like, I got a question. So I'm like, okay, what's your question? Really what he wanted to do was argue. So he spent two hours, we went in my office, we, we argued for two hours. I'm like, brother, I've, I've had these arguments before. I don't need to do this again. If you want, if you want my, the true answer, I'm glad to give it to you. If you're just asking me to argue, let's not do this. Next week came back, more argues, more arguments. Next week came back, more arguments. This is going on and on and on and on. So about a month and about a month and a half ago, he's like, so Steve, I've got a question. I said, I know you do every week. <laughs> I like this guy. I like, him. he knows I like him. He knows I love him, but I just don't want to argue with him. I'm like, brother, I know you got a question for me. Let's eat hamburgers. Let's drink coffee. Let's have a great afternoon. We don't need to talk about this because you're not asking me a real question. He said, no, no, I got a question. So I'm like, okay. He asked his question. I give him the answer, he argues. I'm like, brother, listen, no more arguing here. We want you here, but no more arguing. Next, fast forward to the next Friday. The next Friday comes, we got table. Who's never been to, who's been to Friday night, Friday lunch burgers? Okay, Friday lunch, it's now Friday lunch. So we got table set up in here. He's sitting at a table right here and I see him and I'm like, hey man, what's going on? I gotta put my hand on his shoulder and he says, I'm gonna do what you said and I'm not gonna argue today. I said, brother. That's good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so then, if you guys know, we have uh, worship time after lunch. And I think Christian was leading that day. And I'm standing right there, kind of leaning against that pole. And I look out on the porch, and he's out here on the swing with Will Preby. I'm like, I can't believe this. And it was like, it was like the Lord, you know, there's times in your life where the Lord speaks to you clearly. And it was like the Lord said, there is a spiritual, there is a demonic stronghold in his life that he is victim to that cannot be broken without my power. So we finished our worship time and I walked out and I had to be at a, a memorial service right after that. So I didn't have a long time to talk. So I was like, this has to be power filled right now. And I walked up to him and I said, I don't know if I was speaking to him or the demon that stands behind it, but I said, in the name of Jesus, by the power that was purchased by his blood on the cross, I declare that Terry is free from all deception and argumentation is done. You are free in the name of Jesus from arguing anymore. And he looked like um, Superman who just got a dose of kryptonite. Isn't that what he's allergic to, right? I mean, he just, he looked like a kid who had just withered and he couldn't, he couldn't respond. He couldn't respond. 
He just looked at me with his mouth open. I wanted him to know that I wasn't mad at him. I said, you are free in Jesus' name. You are free from, the, the, from any demonic oppression. And I'm like, but I got to go to a memorial service. I'll see you later. <laughs> so I'm at the memorial service, and he texts me and says, I'm never coming back to the Cornerstone. Well, I've heard that before. <laughs> I said, brother, you don't have anything to prove. We want you back. Next, so fast forward the next Friday. Well, he's been coming every Friday, right? So the next, fast forward the next Friday. I'm thinking, he needs to know that we want him here. I text him and say, brother, we got hot burgers waiting for you. He said, thank you so much. And it took him about three minutes to get here. <laughs> and he sat in here and had a warm conversation with me about his home and his family. And the worship team started, and he didn't walk out. He just sat here and listened. And this past, and he's been coming. He's continued to come. And I'm thinking, well, he's just coming for burgers. This past Friday he comes, and I'm like, brother, we just, we, we have no more burgers left. He said, that's fine. I already ate. I didn't come for a burger. It's like, okay, you, you got coffee, latte. He's not, I don't need any coffee. So what I didn't say, but what I wondered is, so what'd you come here for? You know what? I already know the answer. He's here because the presence of God is here. And, and here's, here's what I'm thinking about is that the, I'm not advising that you go out and like speak like this to people out there, but, but you follow Holy Spirit guidance in your life. And there's times where people have strongholds in their lives that cannot be broken because they're locked into a way of thinking that can only be broken by the power of God. And it's made me rethink about evangelism because today I had another Muslim guy in my office for an hour and a half who just happened to have a question. And I thought, should I try the same tactic with this guy? You know, but... Guys, we, we love these people. We love them. But they're, they're, they're not, I spent an hour and a half this afternoon talking with this other guy in my office about, about stuff, theology. He is not coming to Jesus because of my explanations of theology. If he comes to Jesus, it is because of the, the power of God in his life it's an experience of God in his life. So these three things, either every one of you who belongs to Jesus came to Jesus because of his power or his love or his presence in your life or a combination of those. It wasn't because I convinced you. There's, there's this verse that Paul speaks of, and it made me think of this when I talked to that guy out on the swing. 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Guys, what we're shooting for here on this campus is power evangelism. We don't have time to spend six weeks arguing with people about theology. What we need for your roommates, for your classmates, for your professors, for the people that you work with is an injection of God's power and love in their lives. And when they have that, they don't have to be able to explain it. I mean, if, if Max meets Reiko, I don't have to try to convince them anymore. Okay, sorry, I'm not letting you meet her, man. I'm not letting you meet her. Okay, so with that in mind, guys, with that in mind, I want to see how Peter obeys Jesus. We're in, we're in Acts. I know we're in Acts, and we're running it. We haven't even got to Acts yet. I want you guys to see how Peter, in the book of Acts, follows Jesus' example of how to do evangelism, okay? So last week, we talked about how, G, how Peter and John, P and J, are walking to the temple, and they heal a lame man, right? Yes. They heal the lame man. They heal this guy. Remember what Jesus is doing. Jesus is building a kingdom. Jesus is in the process of building a kingdom. He's left 
he's left them, what, something like 15, 20 days earlier? After he told them that the Holy Spirit was going to come on them in power, the Holy Spirit has come on them in power. 3,000 people have been saved. There's no place to contain them, so they've taken over the temple. They're meeting the temple every day, nonstop. Stuff, it's like worship service that goes on and on and on in the temple. And so he's on his way back for, for, for his prayer slot. He sees lame guy. He, they heal the lame guy. And look what happens. Verse 11. Well, the beggar, the beggar is the lame guy that just got healed. Well, the beggar held on to Peter and John. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Now, here's the question. Why was the beggar hanging on to Peter and John? What's that? Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Why did the crowd come running? I mean, they that crowd come running. Why did they come running? Why is, he, why is this guy hanging on to Peter and John? Why is the crowd running? Because they, what's that? They're amazed. They just experienced the power of God. Notice that they didn't have to give out popsicles. They didn't have to give out lattes. They didn't have to do hamburgers. They didn't even have to put up posters for their evangelistic meeting. The power of God is revealed, and everybody's like, I got to check this out. And they come running because they want a front row seat to see what Peter's going to say as he explains what just happened. Now, does this mean that Peter doesn't plan to share a message? Peter's going to share a message. But notice that the message that he shares here happens after the people ask. They're looking. They're, they want explanations. So I want you guys to see this in verse 12. When, P, when Peter saw this, when did, when did he explain? When they came, when they asked, when they expected, when they were asking for answers. When Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if it was by our own power or godliness that, that we made this man walk? His point is, guys, get used to this. This is normal Christian life. This is not something that's going to be out of the ordinary. And I'm going to explain to you right now how this happens. So Peter takes the opportunity right now to explain the gospel. And I want you guys to think about how he explains the gospel as an example of how we should explain the gospel. He doesn't do it until the people are ready. Now, this, what year is this? Not this year. This year that we're reading in, in, in Bible. It's, around, it's probably 80, 32, 33. Somewhere right around there. Okay, 30 years later. Peter writes a letter, and he tells people, probably I, th I think one of the most um, strategic evangelistic verses in the New Testament. 1 Peter 3.15, I want you guys to see this, okay? 1 Peter 3.15, somebody read that super loud. First Peter 3.15. Oh, that's good too. Here's what I want you guys to notice. Peter writes down to this letter to Christians, but this is about 30 years later. He writes down how to do evangelism. First of all, in your hearts, you set apart Christ as Lord. We got too many people trying to do evangelism who haven't decided that Christ is Lord of their own life. So if you, if you guys want to see the world come to Jesus, 
I got one yes. Thank you. Okay. I want a very good question. Do you, guys, do you guys want to see the world come to Jesus? I mean, really, think about it. Do you want to? The way that you do it is you start with yourself. That's what this verse is about. You start with yourself. In my heart, I set apart Christ as Lord. Then how do you do it? You always do what? Always what? Always be ready. Always be ready to do what? To explain the gospel to who? The people that ask. Why would they ask? Because they saw the power of God or they saw the hope of God in your life. They saw something in your life that was like, what is wrong with you? If they're not asking, guys, listen to me. If they're not asking you what's wrong with you, then there's something wrong in your life. I'm serious, guys. If you're, on, if you're sitting in a classroom and nobody yet has asked you what's up with you, you got a problem. And coming to the cornerstone to listen to me yak once a week isn't going to make any difference in the world unless, unless people are, unless Jesus is such Lord of your life that people are asking you. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand now to confess that nobody's ever asked you that. But would it be that even right now as I'm talking to you, say, Lord, would you, would you let me lead a life that is so impacting and so power-filled, so love-filled, so Jesus, Holy Spirit-filled that people around me can't help but say, what's up with you? Guys, what Peter is saying in 1 Peter 3.15 is what he exemplifies in Acts 3. Power of God. So much power of God that the people come running and they ask. And then he explains. Okay. Doesn't mean that you can never prime the pump. You can never say, what do you think? I mean, it's good if you guys enter into evangelistic conversations. But if they don't want it, let it go. Okay, so I want you guys to see how Peter explains the gospel here. Okay, first thing that he does when they're looking at him, waiting for an explanation, is he talks about Jesus. Okay, everybody, everybody, everybody put your thumb up. Point toward Jesus with your thumb. Okay, there's a reason I'm asking you this. This is what he says, verse 13. Acts 3, 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. He's speaking to Jewish people. You can put your thumbs down. You can keep them up if you want. Either way. This God has glorified his servant Jesus. He talks about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. And what he says about Jesus is he is the servant from Isaiah 42, Isaiah 52, that was written about. So I mean, when we hear about the servant. He's not talking about a servant. He's talking about the servant. He's talking about who Jesus is. You guys handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one. In the Old Testament, who's the holy one? God. Who is the righteous one in the Old Testament? God is, but there's also somebody else who's called a righteous branch, a righteous king, and that is a prophecy of a Messiah who is coming. And what we notice here is that Peter's saying, speaking about Jesus, that he's the holy one. That means he's God. He's the righteous one. That means he's Messiah. Implying, teaching that the Messiah is God, and that Messiah God is Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Then he says, verse 15, you killed the author of life. What, is this, what else does he say about Jesus? That Jesus, that man that, that was just killed and resurrected and just left, he is the source of life. Let me just remind you, there's two things that all your scientific professors cannot explain. First of all, they cannot explain how nothing became something. 
None of them can. None of them can. They got all kinds of funny theories, and some of those theories are pretty good. But, but the truth is that all was created by Jesus. First thing they cannot explain that they've not even got close to explaining is how nothing grew and in, came into something. How something came from nothing. Do you guys listen to me? Okay. Second thing they can't explain is how, was how life comes from. You can put all the chemicals together. You can do everything else. But it's not alive unless something from the outside injects life into it. And that thing from the outside that injects life into living things is Jesus. That's what Peter is teaching these people. He's telling them. So he, he starts his evangelistic explanation of the power that just happened by talking about who Jesus is. Something else he tells us about Jesus, that God raised him from the dead. That guy that you guys just killed a while back, guess what? He's not dead. He's alive. He's alive, and we're witnesses to that. We all saw it. We all saw it. So that's, that's what Peter's saying. Okay, so first thing, he talks about Jesus. Second thing, he talks about you. You killed Jesus. Looks like a gun, right? That's why I'm, I'm, I'm getting you guys, in your evangelistic explanation of who Jesus is, you talk about who Jesus, you talk about them, the person you're talking to. I know you guys don't like, that's awkward. It's like, you killed Jesus? No, no, no. Those people like long time, long time ago killed Jesus. No, you killed Jesus. Look at verse, look at the second part of verse 13 again. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. Verse 14, you disowned the holy and righteous one, and you asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. You, how, how offensive, Mr. Peter. <laughs> Guys, you're not attacking anybody. You, you tell them the truth. When you're explaining the gospel to people, you first of all, you start with Jesus. You secondly start with them, that Jesus died because you put him on the cross. And here's part of the problem. The guy that I just mentioned a little bit ago who came in here and said that he's an atheist now, he never owned this fact that he was bad enough to put Jesus on the cross. I appreciate so much what Nick just said, that Nick said that he put him on the cross. If you guys think that you're so, that, that, that you didn't put Jesus on the cross, you miss the gospel. And this has to be included in the gospel presentation as you explain what the gospel means. Jesus you put him on the cross. Thirdly, he tells that there is power in the name of Jesus. Guys, do this. Jesus, you killed him. There is power in the name of Jesus. Okay? I'm, I'm doing this so you guys remember how to, do, how to share the gospel. Okay? Look at verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to this guy, as you guys can all see. There is power in the name of Jesus. Nobody gets healed from sickness apart from, apart from the power of Jesus. Okay? So as you guys are sharing the gospel, following Peter's example, think this. Jesus is God who came and died. You killed him. But there's power in his name. And Jesus, the fourth thing that Peter teaches here is that Jesus' power is accessible through repentance. Okay? Jesus, you killed him. There is power. There is power available to you through repentance. Look at verse 17. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as your leaders did. You see this? Verse 17. 
It's like, I know you guys didn't mean to do something so bad, but you did. But now, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that the Christ would suffer. In other words, God, God let you guys be so stupid to put him to death, but God was smart enough to let that stupid thing that you did be your saving factor. So therefore, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Guess what, guys? There is healing from the power of Jesus. Jesus' power is accessible to the people that Peter's speaking to and the people at the cornerstone and the people in your classes through repentance. You know what repentance is? Verse 19 tells us, repent then and turn to God. This is not two things. You can't repent without turning to God. You can't turn to God without repenting. It's the same thing. And I know that people don't like to hear the word repentance because to say that somebody needs to repent means to say that they're not good. And I'm good. I never did anything wrong. Right? Isn't that the way everybody thinks? You did something wrong, and so did I. I appreciate, again, what Nick said, that he was rotten. Or what, or what the other Nick said about how rotten he was. Wow, we got a theme going here. Anybody else named Nick here? Nick, Nick, any other Nicks? Guys, repentance means, Jesus, I am rotten to the core without you, and I am turning away from who I was and turning to you, and what Peter is saying and what you guys preach as you're sharing the good news of salvation is that the power of Jesus is accessible through repentance. Okay? I'm doing these, these motions so you guys remember. Jesus, you killed him. There's power available, and that's accessible through repentance. There's something else that Peter says. He, I can't do this. I wish I had a headset. With your hands up, Jesus is returning. This is what Peter says. This is part of your explanation of the truth. Look at verse 20. That he may send, that God may send the Christ, speaking of Jesus, who has been appointed for you, that is Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Do you understand what he's saying? This is part of your presentation of the gospel. When people see the power of God or the love of God or the presence of God, they're like, wow, what's so cool? This place is so cool. Have you guys noticed how many people come in here and say that? It's like, I love this place. Did anybody meet anybody new who was here for the first time today? What were their names? I met Emily. I met Emily. I met Lausanne. I met who else? What? Lausanne, sorry. Okay. John, okay. So there's new people here today. They're like, I'm like, I always tell people, welcome home. Okay, I met a girl named um, Crystal out on the porch too. She's like, I love this place. I said, welcome home. Welcome home. Guys, welcome home. If this is your first time here, welcome home. But what is it that you like about this? It's the experience of God. Because we can't stop there. We can't, we can't be at the point where we think, oh yeah, Cornerstone, I love their coffee. The coffee is a gimmick. I'm serious. Guys, but it's not a bad gimmick. All the popsicles that I've given, I've given away thousands. It's, it's not totally gimmick because you know what? The popsicles and the coffee, you know what? We're doing that to show love to people. And not one seed of love that we hand out is in vain if we do it for the right reason. But it's not just so we can really work. You know, the, the Muslim guy in my office today, he's like, yeah, I always joke my friends that if I bring them over there, they're going to try to convert you. I said, you can come here 
all you want and not be afraid of how trying to force Jesus on you. We love Muslims, we love Hindus, we love atheists, and nobody has to pretend anything to be loved here. But with that, the power of love is poured out. The power of God is poured out. And so as you're teaching, when they ask, what you got to include, what Peter includes here, is this is not the end of the story. That there is a return of this Messiah, Jesus. He is coming back. And for all those people who love him, they're going to cry tears of joy. And all those people who have wished that he'd leave them alone, they're going to cry tears of remorse. This is Revelation 1-7. All people will look upon him and mourn for him who they have pierced. Okay, you guys got those, those, yeah, you talk about Jesus. You talk about the person. You talk about the power of God. You talk about repentance. You talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And then Peter says is all of this is right here in this book. Yeah. Look at verse 22. For Moses said, he, he, goes, he backs up 1,500 years and says, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like, like Moses, from among your own people. Your own people, that means the Jewish people. Don't let anybody tell you that this is, that, that this is Muhammad. Okay? From your own people, from the Jewish people, you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him, he will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days. Guess, just once again, who's the prophet that he's, ta that he's talking about? Jesus. Jesus. It's Jesus. Anybody that doesn't listen to Jesus, be cut off. Okay? And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant made with their fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all the people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you, the Jews, to bless you by turning each of you from your own ways. What's he saying? He's saying, look, all you guys got to do. All He's talking to Jewish people. It's like, you guys know the scriptures. Go read the scriptures, guys. It's there. And as you, as you take this and apply it to the way that you share the gospel, when people see the power and ask and you're explaining, you say, guys, right here, read the book, read the book, read the book. There's so much in here. If you want them to follow Jesus apart from, from reading the scriptures, their lives, they're not going to stick around. We got to get the people reading the book. So these, this is how you, you explain. You follow Peter's example. You talk about Jesus. You talk about the fact that they put Jesus on the cross. You talk about the power of God. You talk about the power of God is available to them through repentance. You talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back. You talk about the fact that there is answers right here in this book. That's how we do evangelism. You guys with me? Is that helpful? Okay. I just want to share with you guys how, how we did evangelism in Japan. 26 years ago, I'm there in Japan asking the Lord, you brought me here to the city of Hita to bring to build your church here, and I can't even speak Japanese at that point. And I'm kneeling with this Bible. This is an old Bible. I'm kneeling on my tatami floor, going, "Lord, I don't even know where to start." And I open it up to First Corinthians two, and this is what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. I want you guys to see this because this is God's strategy: power evangelism. When I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony about God. It wasn't my wise words 
For I resolved, here, here's how it worked. I resolved when I was with you to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know how the Corinthian church was born? They had a guy there who wasn't very good at talking to him, apparently. He wasn't, he didn't have all the arguments, but he had a determination to know Jesus. Verse three, I, in fact, I came to you guys in weakness and fear and with much trembling. In other words, I was scared. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I was, I was scared. And my message and my preaching were not with wives and persuasive words. Are you guys seeing this? But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that things like what happened with the guy that I told you about who decided he's an atheist won't happen again. So that the people at UTA and the people in Hita and the people at the Cornerstone, so that their faith would not rest on Steve's wisdom, but on the power of God. And I read this there my first week in Hita, and I wrote in, the, in my margin right here in this Bible, Lord, this is what we need in Hita. And every person who has come to the Lord in Hita has come to the Lord not because I'm so smart, not because I got all the answers, not because I can explain everything, but because they had an experience of God in their lives that changed their lives. And once they met him, they didn't need all the explanation. Have you guys noticed that? When Max falls in love with the girl, we don't, he doesn't need to explain how it all works. It just is there. Sorry, Max. I'll pick on somebody else next time. Okay. You guys explain. Jesus. You explain that that, that, the person, that, that person that you're speaking to is the reason that Jesus died. You explain that there's power available. You explain that that power is accessible through repentance. You explain that, that Jesus is coming back. And you explain that all that is explained right here. And I got Mr. Matt going to try to tell you how to remember this. Okay, I'll make this quick. I was volunteered to do this. Um, but if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to be like, okay, Jesus, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so everybody do the first one. What does this one stand for? Jesus. Jesus. What's the second one? Uh, yes. What's the third one? Awesome is through. Awesome. And what? And it's where? All right, here we go. I want you all to do this, the symbol things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus came ready to give. You killed him off and God let you live. The power of life that fills you from within through repentance by grace of every single sin. He is coming back. The time is near. It's all in the Bible. So very clear. And I, I have a little bit more, but I'm almost done. <laughs> And this, this is uh, just what I felt like, because it was during praise and worship that I was writing the second part of this, um, and I really feel like it's for some of you guys that haven't experienced Jesus, okay? That's all I'm saying. Um, so come on in. The water's just right. Jesus is a gentleman. He's so polite. He's not going to fight. He's not going to fight you. So let your words be few. Be still and know 
and have faith that he cares about every crow, every bird in the sky. He's not going to lie. So when he says he loves you, you can count it all true. Jesus, we just pray that you have your way. We thank you, God, that you show, you show clearly every heart in this place that you died for them, that you died for them because of them, because of their sin, because of my sin, you died. And it was a choice you made. It was a choice you made. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that that's made clear. I thank you that right now, Holy Spirit, you start to speak to people right now. Right now, you start to speak to their hearts. That there is no more, there's no more time to waste. There's no more time to waste. God, you say in your word that our life is short. It is but a mist. Why would we plan to do this and do that? When we're here today and we could be gone tomorrow. God, this could be our very last breath. And God, I know that if I was to breathe my last breath, I know that being absent from the body, I would be present with you because I have, I have received Jesus into my heart. I have received what he's done for me and I have made him Lord of my life. And I only say that to encourage those that haven't yet that are here. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for everyone here. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm going to pray for everyone here. And while, while I'm praying, I want, I, I, I want you to open your heart. I want you to open your heart and say, God, I may believe in you, but I don't know about this Jesus. Or, God, I, I, I haven't believed in you, but so many people do. And I want to know if you're real or not. Because I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this to impose on any religion that's represented here. I'm not saying that to impose on any religion. I'm not saying this to make someone feel excluded or separated if they haven't received Jesus. I'm saying this because time is short and God loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. So God, I just thank you right now. Right now. God, that this word that has been sent out by Pastor Steve will go out and it will not return void. That it will do what it's been sent out to do. I thank you, God, for all the seeds that have been planted in the people's hearts that are listening to the sound of you speaking to them. God, this isn't the first time they've been given the opportunity. It may be, but God, this might not be the first time that they've heard that Jesus loves them. That God loves them and has a wonderful plan for their life. God, I thank you that you capture their heart. I thank you that you capture their heart with your love. God, you captured my heart with your love. You loved me so much. You saved me multiple times, not just on the cross, multiple times. And I thank you, God, that you do that tonight. You capture our hearts tonight. You capture the hearts of those that don't know you yet as their Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you minister to hearts right now. We give you permission. We give you permission to minister to hearts right now. And to make it clear, make it clear and evident that you are speaking to them.
And if that's you, if you need to make that decision, if you feel like you need to make that decision, if you feel like God is speaking to you to make that decision to receive what Jesus has done, the free gift of what he's done for you, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and it might be coming as a super fast heartbeat, that your heart is just can't slow down, it's pounding your chest out of nowhere. God speaks, he speaks and he loves you. And you might not know how to hear his voice clearly, but he is trying. He's trying and he's crying out to you because he loves you. And so if you feel like you need to receive what Jesus has done for you and make him Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to pray this prayer after me. I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, and if you're going to pray it, pray it loud. <laughs> pray it loud and proud. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I need you in my life. I receive what you've done for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you love me. I believe that you're coming back again for me. Don't stop. You already started. Don't stop. Jesus, I receive you as Lord of my life. I'm done trying to live life the way I want to. I want to live life the way you want me to. And speak this out of confidence. Say, Jesus... I am a part of your kingdom now. I am a child of God. I am born again. I am on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And I want you to do this with boldness. Say, devil, you have no right in my life. I renounce every work of you, devil. And I plead the blood of Jesus that is available, that's been made available to me over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. And, and God is so good. He's so good. And, and what I'll say to those that just prayed that for the first time. Because people pray that prayer and then walk away. So I just want to give you some, some godly advice, that's all, um, is, is get plugged in, okay? This, this is a meeting place, okay? The church is everywhere, but I would encourage you, I would encourage you to get plugged into a church. This is a great place to begin. This is a great place to start. You are loved here. The second thing is to follow what Jesus said. And, and get baptized. What does that mean? Because people are like, well, I just received them. I don't need to get baptized. What Steve was talking about earlier. What does that mean is, is that that gives you the ability. That gives you the ability in the way that it's explained is you are, you die with Christ. Okay? Because Jesus died, Jesus died on the cross. And I don't have time to explain it all. But you die with Christ through water baptism. And what that is, is you are, you are going in full submission, full submersion, Right? under the water. And when you come out, 
One thing is the decision of saying, flesh, I'm not going to go based on how I feel anymore. I can't go based on how I feel anymore. If I wake up and I'm angry, I cannot act on that anger anymore. That, that's, that's part of that water baptism is you are taking the opportunity to stop that cycle. And you're starting a new life. You're being raised back up. When you come back out of the water, you're raised back up and you get to start over with Jesus. And I'm done. Uh, Jesus is, he's the best. Love you guys. Don't don't forget camping. Don't forget camping at, not camping. Oh my goodness. S'mores. S'mores at Steve's. Is that tomorrow? Oh my gosh. That's tomorrow, guys. Bless you guys. You're dismissed. Be blessed. If you prayed that for the first time, you can come talk to me. Or if you are a small group.